0: Hey, Cask Chasers, we'll start the show in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor.
1: Hey, everybody. Joshua Hatton with Impex Beverages here. I've got my lovely wife, Haida. Hi. Duh. Say what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> I have in my glass right now a little bit of Glenelke, 12-year-old. Huh. Yeah. Isn't that gorgeous? I I'm Sure. It's got a nice, dark, rich, robust color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I love about this whiskey? Tell me. It's the perfect balance between that that multi sweetness mm-hmm. and the rich sherry presence in the whiskey. Okay. Right? Bottled at 46% alcohol. Okay. Right? Non-chill filtered. All right. Right. No artificial coloring added. You got me. And Glenaliki, and this is one of the things about the Impex portfolio in general, the Glenalloch is an independently owned distillery. I dig it. That's really cool. Yeah, small privately owned company owning the distillery, making the decisions they want to make to produce the whiskeys they want to make, and it ends up being a delicious product. That sounds fantastic. I can get behind that. I sure can. Yeah, you don't even drink whiskey, Oh, no, I don't, but I philosophy. support
2: it. Yes, right. I love it.
1: Boom. Well, cheers, hats.
2: Cheers.
3: Hey, y'all. This is Beth Bros, American Whiskey Ambassador with Bean Suntory. So pour a dram, settle in. This is the Cast Chases Podcast.
2: Going,
0: it's going good. Thanks. Sorry. It's, it's it's nice sometimes not being lumped in. <laughs> I I appreciate not being so the lumped Bobby, in. And two-headed yeah. hey, Bobby and monsters. Aaron two headed cash Bobby Well, hey Katie and only I Katie. Know. We're two separate humans. But I'm digging this. So wow.
2: this is your moment in the spotlight. It
0: is. It is, and I'm ruining it. <laughs>
2: Bobby should take personal days more often because this has been
0: a blast. (laughs) Awesome.
2: Fun fact for the listeners, uh, when we were doing our sound check earlier and it was just Aaron and me two musical nerds, we definitely were pulling in from a couple of our favorites into the mic check.
0: I can neither confirm nor deny (laughs) that I I may have sang that there was a bright golden haze on the meadow.
2: Bobby is banging his head into the wall as he listens to this. (laughs) But no, we're having fun. We're excited not just because this is a little bit of a different approach with us, just the the two of us for now. But we are also joined by one of our cast Chiefs' favorites, none other than American Whiskey Ambassador at Beam Suntory and regular cocktail master, Beth Burrows. We got Beth on the phone. How you doing, Beth? I'm well. How are you all? We're excited to talk cocktails with
0: you. Yeah, man. So, this will be going out the week after the Kentucky Derby and like literally uh, sometime in the past, not even full day, I sent Beth a message and I was like, "Hey, you want to talk cocktails in the Kentucky Kentucky Derby stuff?" Derby like, stuff? Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Beth is so laid back. Beth is so awesome. She's like, "Yeah, I'm up for whatever, man."
3: This this whole opening like of the world back into to the real space or whatever it is
2: that we're opening up into.
3: You know, It's been a weird transition. I got used to the Zooms. I got used to the pajamas.
2: Yeah, I'm not ready for it at (laughs) all because between the makeup and the hair, uh, just like regular person clothing, I've almost forgotten what that looks like. And I'm also 14 weeks pregnant, so things are starting to shift around. So nothing Ah. fits or I'm just tired of the same old loungewear I've been wearing for the last year.
0: I am no weeks pregnant, but still things don't fit the way they used to. So nah. I, I don't, I don't know what to attribute that to.
2: Well, at least we an always an have entire year. That's <laughs> <laughs>
0: what to an, an entire year of not wearing pants. That's what that's what it is.
2: Yeah. Oh, the glory days. That's what that's what we'll be talking about years from now. But it'll be awesome. Now, So that I was excited to meet you because I, I know that you've been on uh, Cast Chasers podcast. You've been on some of the Facebook Live events before previously. And I've just heard nothing but awesome things about you and your, your cocktail expertise. So I know with derby season upon us, with the Kentucky Derby just happening a few days ago, I, I think my favorite thing that I just want to get your thoughts on in this conversation is there's such a culture that surrounds horse racing, the Derby, and all of these wacky traditions we've kind of built up over time that are part of that. Whether you are a horse racing person or just kind of on the perifs like me and know that there are big hats and nice drinks involved.
0: Is there more to it than that? I, I feel I feel like there must not be more to it than
2: that. <laughs>
3: Horseshoes. I mean, that's definitely the highlight, for sure. You know, it, it's a lot about, you know, the, the costumes, if you will. And I guess I say costumes because it's not things that t- people would typically wear. You know, it's not the dresses that they're pulling out that they wore to Sunday mass or, the, you know, to the bar on Friday night, it's it's usually a very curated outfit. The hat is definitely a big piece of it. The fascinator, whatever it is that you want to do, you know, even the men have their fedoras. We were just talking about that, but it, it's definitely the pageantry of it all. And then the cocktails for sure. I mean, obviously there's the staple cocktails for Oaks and Derby. Um, but really, I think, um, you know, it's, it's about a lot of things. And, and I think that it's evolving to be a lot more than even what it used to be because we have a lot of locals, right? I mean, locals derby difference. It's, it's a very different experience because most of us don't go to the derby. And if we do go to the track, it's usually on Thurby or Oaks. And we kind of like let derby be the thing that the out of towners go to. So yeah, it, it's a, it's been interesting. I've been in this city. Oh gosh. I'm going to date myself, but I've been in this city for 16 years. Um, and so this is, I guess my 16th derby in Louisville and it's, every year is just a little bit different obviously for COVID reasons last year and this year have been super different, but yeah.
0: So you, you talked you talked about the, you know, the the locals don't really do the derby and I mean, I, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure there are some that do obviously, but, for sure. but what, so what can you dig into? Th- this is zero about whiskey right now, um, on the whiskey <laughs> podcast. But what what do what do the locals do on? And you you touched on it, but like what what do what yeah, what do you do on Derby Day?
2: I don't I don't want to act like a tourist if I ever get a chance to do this.
0: That's um, why educate I, I, me. Yeah,
3: what, <laughs> you can usually tell the tourists because they drink more than one mint julep. Um, most locals either drink one or none. Um, like so much so to the fact of like yeah, I am the American whiskey investor, so I do things to kind of switch it up but also still celebrate. And so I work with a local um confectionery artist. She's a chocolatier and she creates Basil Hayden infused mint julep chocolates.
2: Oh my god.
3: So instead of like actually having to make a cocktail and drink it, you can just kind of get the mint julep experience by pouring a glass of Basil Hayden's neater on the rocks and then you have these these little chocolates that are infused as well and they just like you know a bite and a sip and a bite and a sip and there's your derby experience without actually having to you know (laughs) yes please do the whole mint julep thing
0: (laughs) well that sounds great
2: what are some of the other things you guys are doing to mix it up because that actually was one of the things i was wondering about like how long can a person really go after mint juleps without Getting bored without it being too sweet, without just, you know, wanting to mix it up and get some variety.
3: There was a really funny meme that was going around yesterday. I think it was like a a fake post of some sort, like uh, somebody had put up and it essentially just said um, local bartenders riff on a mint julep isn't actually even a mint julep because like that's where we've gotten to. So many people are like riffing on this cocktail to try to make it more palatable to people who can drink more than one of them because mm-hmm. you know it, there are some people that absolutely adore mint juleps and if you do I am not knocking you that's totally your jam cool. But for a lot of us it's just your bourbon, your mint, your sugar. <laughs> and that's just we want to mix it up. We want to add something to the sugar. Mm-hmm. So like I've done things like um I've done, you know, chocolate mint juleps. I've done blackberry and black pepper mint julep oh. one time. We've just yeah, peach mint juleps. We we riff on them constantly. And then sometimes people decide, I don't want to do mint. I want to use basil instead. And then you're like, obviously not making a mint julep whatsoever, but um you're still following kind of the same parameters.
0: So that that's a good point. And I mean, I just to lean a little bit into cocktails, you you being like one one of the biggest sort of like cocktail artists that i know you said something there that really stood out to me because you'll have people that are like oh this is an old-fashioned if you don't make it like this then you're not making an old-fashioned etc cetera, etc cetera. but to me cocktails are they're, they're a way to explore right like they're 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 a way right. to like 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 i mean yeah obviously if i'm if i'm putting you know vodka chocolate syrup and you know uh a cherry Sounds in a cup that's not a that's not a that's not a mint <laughs> julep, and that's not a that's not an old-fashioned but i if you're staying true to sort of like the spirit of it and changing it a little bit you know like oh you're 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 using you're using simple syrup you're not muddling a sugar cube like stuff like that like i mean like oh that's not an old-fashioned well it's how i make an old-fashioned you know so like uh, can you talk a little bit about that, about just being exploratory in making cocktails?
3: I mean, there's really just a, a set of categories of cocktails, right? When we're looking at the whole thing, you've got things like sours, you have things like the cocktail, right? Which is now kind of no more as an old fashioned, um, you know, in different kind of subsects of that. And really from there, you kind of derive all the rest of your cocktails. So you, you're still playing within the categories. You're just, you're never really this is going to sound so shitty, but you're never really inventing anything new. You know, somebody has probably invented this at some point in time. And when I say invent, it's not even really invent. Somebody has crafted this in, in some way, shape or form in some other way, somewhere else, but because you can't actually you put a copyright on your cocktail recipes, just like you can't really put a copyright on a lot of creative things that you do. It just becomes something that you do and hope that it gets enough notoriety somewhere that you know, it's in a book or it's in a something to where people will be like, "Oh, they're the creator of this said cocktail." And you know, we go we go real wild sometimes, and you know, we're clarifying milk punches and we're, you know, finding ways to to change things up. But that's I think the culinary aspect of cocktails, which has been a really cool fusion that we've seen, especially in bars and restaurants over the last, I'd say, you know, ten fifteen years, where it's really a, a symbiotic relationship between the the folks behind the bar who are crafting the drink menus and the folks who are in the kitchen and you know utilizing whether you have a you know special dish that has some sort of something that maybe isn't used all the way through and you can then take those ingredients and then utilize something for your bar so you know say you need to do an infusion with strawberries right and they only need the, ha- the top half of the strawberries is a garnish. Then you take the bottom half of the strawberries and you do something with them, right? So it's just, it's really an, an interesting kind of journey that we've seen cocktails take on. And of course, we're going to go too far, just like everybody does in every category, right? Like we're going to overshoot. We're going to start becoming like so almost elitist in the category that people are like, I don't even know what this means anymore. And so it's nice to kind of like see us hit that point and then kind of come back and pull back a little bit. And then there's also the piece of educating people about it, right? Educating why there's an egg white in your cocktail, educating why I'm using X spirit instead of this other X spirit. But you will see things like, you know, I've I've done stuff with my fellow tequila ambassadors where we switch out tequila cocktails and bourbon cocktails and, you know, just switch Mm -hmm. the bases and see what we want to do. Yeah. It's, I don't know if I even answered your question, but that's really, you know, what's
0: <laughs> it was a lot of talk about cocktails and that's what I was going for. So good <laughs> Okay, fantastic.
2: Fill in all the gaps. Um I
3: wanna
0: I wanna wanted, I wanted, uh just real quick because I I I do this and I read why I do this at some point and then I went, Oh, that makes sense, and then I never did it again or, or then I never read about it again, and my brain was like, That makes sense, so I just threw it to the side, is that makes sense can you talk real quick about why is there egg white in my cocktail? Like what, what, what's, what's the deal there? Only,
2: only if you say it like that again, but with more of a Jerry Seinfeld egg to or edge to it. (laughs) What's the deal?
0: (laughs) What's the deal with egg whites? But yeah, what's the deal with egg whites, just to have a real quick...
3: So, I mean, for the most part, you're going to see egg whites in something like, say, a sour, right? A whiskey sour. And adding that egg white is going to change the texture into a silkiness that you're going to sip. So, if you ever sipped a uh, whiskey sour side by side, one egg white, one without egg white, uh, the one without egg white is actually going to have probably a little bit more of the citrus kick to it, whereas the egg white cocktail... Not only is it going to cascade over your palate, you know, in in a silky fashion, if you will, um, but it's also going to balance out all of that flavor profile within that cocktail. I find it to have a lot more balance, and you're not going to have such a juxtaposition between the different ingredients. But some people just get really freaked out by it.
0: But Beth, there's raw egg in my cocktail. Isn't that unsafe for me?
3: You'll be fine. <laughs> have you ever? <laughs> the,
2: the alcohol ever- kills everything. Like,
0: I mean... You, you'll be fine. No no science, no anything. You'll be fine. Grow up.
3: You'll be fine. And <laughs> this is the deal. Like, I made brownies the other day, and I ate far, far too much of the batter. And, like, I know that that's
2: supposed to be terrible for me. You mean but you're not whatever. on death's door. Oh, my gosh.
0: It's so funny.
2: <laughs> that's exactly where I was going, though, when when we were talking about you'll it. You'll be fine. Ago. I was imagining all the times that I just take cookie dough or, like, the brownie batter on the edge of the bowl and you know even after they started coming out and saying like that's so unsafe that's so unhealthy I was just like well yeah, it's been but like fine super for
0: delicious too so okay. back off
2: i'm willing to. when take i things. was like nine my cousins and i would walk
3: to the store and we would have like our random chore money or whatever it was like i honestly the things that i did to just try to get money to go to the store to buy things when i was younger because i didn't want to ask my parents were like i sold my drawings door to door when i was like five it was ridiculous that's amazing. anyway um i was an entrepreneur no but i used to walk down to the store and i would buy like a roll of cookie dough and like a two liter of pepsi and my cousins and i would just like go to that was what we would go down in the basement we would put on something that like scared my little sister because that was super fun
2: and then crazy
3: (laughs) yeah that was that was like our friday night chaos that was what we did
0: so I you're like, yeah, when I was nine I'm like, I want to do that today. Like <laughs> like when we're done recording, um, can we go and do that? Because that's what I want to do today, like right now. That's Please fantastic. send me a
3: picture of you
2: double fisting a two-liter of Pepsi <laughs> and an entire roll of cookie dough.
3: There's a seven eleven
1: right down to. the
2: street. So oh, man. I'm just saying the universe is making itself available. <laughs> that is now the cover of this podcast. I don't know if you had an idea for
3: what the that's picture it. of the podcast that's is gonna be. People
0: cover. are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like talking beth burrows
3: you'll
2: find out <laughs>
0: we're talking with beth burrows about cocktails in the kentucky derby here's some coke and cookie dough what
2: <laughs> Maybe it's for after the derby too
0: pepsi i'm sorry I
3: like, Yeah, i was gonna say you need to switch it one to pepsi too because when you say coke and cookie dough that takes
0: on a whole <laughs> yeah, that's, <right>. that's, <laughs> a, that's a different podcast
2: <laughs> i was about to say Beth, I want to go back to when you were talking about like the experimental side of cocktails, because the other thing that was coming to my mind, as you were saying, you know, hopefully we in trying to push the envelope, we don't do it too far and wind up with something crazy pretentious that doesn't work, whatever. So question for you, what is the craziest on edge cocktail that you've had that you actually liked? And then what was one that you didn't?
3: that's a question. Um, (sighs) For me, I don't actually go out and really partake so much in those. There, I, I do love a good clarified milk punch. Um, and there have been some really awesome ones. I, one that comes to mind, Felicia Corbett, who is an amazing bartender here in Louisville. She did a, a clarified milk punch for an event that we did. And it was beautiful and delicious and became one of my absolute favorite things. And then, I don't know, like, I I like my standards, honestly. And that's going to make me sound super boring. If somebody put a cocktail in front of me and said, hey, try this, I, I would. Um, but for the most part, like, I stick to my pretty standard stuff. Uh, the wildest that I think I ever get is when we sometimes have, like, older whiskeys that they're showcasing to us. And I'm like, can you put that in a cocktail? Because I just want to see what a 1971 old granddad tastes like in a paper plate. Like, let's do it.
0: Well, talk about that for a second. So there, there's this whole stigma of, you know, oh, I've got a 30 year old scotch and, you know, I, I want to enjoy it by itself. And I mean, like, what? what tell, tell me about tell me about why you would why you would why? Why do you think I would think, oh, you should never put that in a cocktail? And why? Why should you? Why should you maybe give it a whirl?
3: So there's a, an uber stigma about that. I think with a lot of people, when it comes to high costs, you know, spirits, when it comes to more rare spirits, when it comes to older spirits, anything like that. So where people are just like, Oh, well, you have to taste it neat and you should, you should always 100% definitely taste it neat. You need to know what the experience of that, the base of whatever it is that you might be putting in a cocktail tastes like. Um, and, and really fully experience that. I think for us, I'm, I'm very spoiled in the, the place that I sit and I, have the opportunity a lot of times to be in places that have really cool things, whether they be older whiskeys, whether they be more rare whiskeys, whatever it might be. And so I feel like I probably push the envelope a little bit more than say somebody who doesn't sit in my position (laughs) to where, you know, you're, you're just like, well, I wonder. Right. And and that's really how it kind of all came about. I was sitting in a bar in Chicago and we were in this, you know, like back little speakeasy space and it was just myself and some of my coworkers and. You know, they're pulling out all of these older bottles of the brands that, that we have. And that's when it, it was like a 71 old granddad and my paper plane is a hundred percent my favorite cocktail from the months of like March to I'd say August because it's just seasonal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, having that cocktail and the old granddad is my favorite base, especially old granddad bonded for that cocktail. And so when I had it, I was like, you know what, guys, I just wanna know. I just wanna know. Like what would it taste like? And so the bartender was like, All right, let's do it. And you know, and it was fantastic. It was absolutely delicious.
0: Right. Why wouldn't Um, it be? Yeah.
3: Exactly. And so I think, you know, pretension is the biggest thing. Honestly, that and I think that's my biggest goal in life and in my job is to knock the pretension out of bourbon drinking and American whiskey drinking as a whole. Because you Let's be honest, right? I think scotch category typically does carry a little bit of protection with it. Yeah, and I think, think there's some people that
0: uh, 100%, 100% that will 100%.
3: Yeah, right. It, it's just, it's something that we've always known. It's, it's even a stigma. And like, I think back to like nineties sitcom TV where, you know, you have somebody who's drinking a scotch and it's a very specific person who's drinking that scotch and they're drinking it in a very specific place. And they probably have a cigar next to them. And, you know, like there's just this, this persona of what a, a scotch drinker should be. And I think that for myself, you know, I bucked some of the traditional standards of what people thought a bourbon drinker was. And I know that because of the amount of time that I spent behind the bar of people being like, I'd like to talk to that man because, you know, he probably knows more. Cool. You can talk to him, but he's my bar back and he just started three days ago. Good luck. Have a great time. (laughs) I think that, like I said, my whole idea with with bourbon and with American whiskey and, and my position in that space is to knock the pretension away. I don't, think that it should be pretentious. Bourbon is for everyone. You know, this, this is a spirit that was built because of everyone. And it is enjoyed in the capacity that it is because of everyone. So I think that the more, you know, elite or exclusive that we get in this category, the more we actually pull away from its roots. And I'm all about kind of taking it back to, to where it's for everyone, anytime, whenever you feel like it.
2: I love that so much because that's. I mean, even since I joined the podcast, that's a, a question that I get asked by friends, coworkers. Like, you know, there's a little bit of tongue and cheek, like, "Oh, Katie's on a whiskey podcast now, <laughs> oh, 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 notes of vanilla." I'm like, it's it's hard to try and convince people that it is, especially in this day and age, that much more accessible. And it, it's funny. Earlier, I was listening to how you know there are different bourbons that are like the official or. Der- er- bourbon of the kentucky derby and mm-hmm. and i had the passing thought i was like well that's very like la-di-da and then in the same instant i remembered every single super bowl commercial i've seen that's like brought to you by bud light right and yeah. and it was just, fritos Like right, okay <laughs> exactly like it's the same exact concept of just saying like hey here's here's a spirit here's a beverage that kind of encapsulates what we are who we are everybody does it it's just a different aspect of the same story, you know, and you can, you can like both. And that doesn't change the number of, uh, I don't know, times you go outside with a sweater around your
0: neck. Hey, chasers, Aaron here. I wanted to talk about our sponsor wilderness trail distillery. If you want a great whiskey without the fake legends and made up history, try some wilderness trail, fine Kentucky bourbon. It's made by master distiller, Shane Baker. And fermentation expert Pat Heist, who you've heard on the podcast, at their distillery in Danville, Kentucky. They make uh, weeded bourbon, a high rye bourbon, and a Kentucky-grown rye whiskey. Wilderness Trail is offered in -in bottled-in-bond or cask strength. It's non-chill filtered, and the mash bill is on the side of every bottle, so you know what you're buying. This is real information, not some magical recipe or who Shane's great-great-grandpa is. I'm telling you keep an eye out for Wilderness Trail in your favorite store. If you happen to see a barrel pick or special release of Wilderness Trail on the shelf at your store, grab it. It's not going to last long. If you want more information, check them out online at wildernesstraildistillery.com. I think talking about cocktails is is very much something that is important and I feel like the the first time we had you on the podcast, Beth, I, we, we didn't really we leaned into cocktails a little bit. But um, we didn't talk at length about sort of cocktails and all of that. We've had we've had you on Facebook Live a couple of times doing cocktails. But the first time we had you on the actual podcast, it was more about bourbon, American whiskey and all that noise because we're a whiskey podcast, you know. But I, I am 100 percent always an advocate of, you know, drink, drink what you want the way you want to drink it. And, you know, it, to a lot of people that's and to a lot of people that say that, actually, that's, yeah, well, you know, drink your scotch or your bourbon or, you know, drink it on the rocks or maybe add a drop or two of water. And that's it. Drink drink it however you want, as long as it's one of those three or four things. It's like you know? drink
2: it however you want, but you only be respected if you drink it a certain yeah, way. Yeah, Within but, these parameters. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like
3: a total thing. So my my go to for this is. Booker No, who was our previous master distiller, had a saying that was drink it any damn way you please. Yeah. And that is how I live my entire existence within this category of, you know, beverages and how I enjoy imbibing on them. Like, that's just, you know, and you'll probably see, I think that it's probably going to pick up a little bit more because it's something that myself and my other ambassadors have always said, and even some of the folks, you know, down at the distillery. I think that that's just really the way that it should be approached.
0: But no, to your point, <laughs> Beth, it's, you know, uh, I, 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 I love the verbiage of that also, drink it any damn way you please, because that really drives it home. You know, like, drink what you want the way you want it you know it can be sort of like oh but not like that but drink it any damn way right. you please it really is it's that and I feel like that's what it is and you, nobody nobody is becoming a whiskey connoisseur a a master bourbon taster a this thing a that thing without slinging back a couple cocktails first and damn it there's some really good cocktails out there and it's it, it's the it's the way most of us got into spirits at all regardless of whether that's a whiskey or a tequila or a vodka or whatever and really sunk our teeth into that and at the end of the day i'm so glad you talked about you know making making a, a a cocktail with, you know, a super high end bourbon that like most people, uh, you know, clutch your pearls. Oh my goodness. How dare you? Oh,
3: there are going to be a few of your listeners that have a legit heart attack on it.
0: That's fine. That's uh, fine. So we'll, we'll get a couple fewer downloads the following week. Um, <laughs> And exactly what you said, you were like, you know, I made a cocktail from a suit and, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't have even had to, to have been that a super high end tequila, a super high end scotch, a super high end Irish whiskey, wh- whatever the case may be your cocktail's gonna be better in most mm-hmm. cases i mean unless it's a, absolutely the wrong cocktail to use that spirit in but like it's it, it's using it as a quality ingredient it's wagyu beef it's you know it's it's this it's mm-hmm. this other thing that you're that you're using as the base and and people think and i think you need to think of it more as that listeners you're using this you're los- you're using this whiskey you're using this spirit as the base for something you're not you're not diluting it maybe you know like it's not you're you're not just you're not just watering it down you're not just adding stuff to it to ruin it
2: a premium ingredient exactly a premium ingredient exactly
0: exactly exactly. thank you beth for that
2: (laughs) (laughs) beth i have never even heard to, to get specific on the cocktails i've never even heard of a paper plane until i listened to a different like youtube interview that you were on and then you mentioned it again what What is a paper plane?
3: So I, I love it. And I talk about it probably more than I honestly should. But it's because it's such a delicious cocktail. And you can, again, you can riff on it however you want to riff on it. But essentially, um, it's equal parts of your bourbon, equal parts of Amaro, which I use Amaro Nonino. It's my favorite one in this cocktail. Um, and then Aperol and lemon juice. And so it's 1.5 parts. And when I say parts, I mean ounces. I'm just not legally allowed to say ounces. Um, so parts, 1.5 parts of your bourbon, 1.5 parts of your Amaro Nonino, 1.5 parts of your Aperol and 1.5 parts of your fresh squeezed lemon juice. And so it's just a very even, very balanced. It's all shaken together. It's served up in a coupe glass and it's just Refreshing, it's light, it's delicious, it has the backbone. Like I said, my favorite uh, base for that is the bonded of um, old granddad. So, you know, you have that 100 proof to stand up in the backbone. And if you want to, you can always do, you know, two parts of your bourbon and then one part of everything else. If you want to, kind of even even it out a little bit more. And if the lemon juice is a little too tart, and kind of want to change it up a little bit. You can always put some grapefruit juice in there as well. So like, you know, there's just, there's a few different things that you can do in that space. If you don't like Amaro Nonino, which I would literally drink out of the bottle, that stuff is delicious. You can use a different type of Amaro. There's some that are, uh, you know, a little bit more bitter, a little bit more herbal. And, and some people enjoy that in the cocktail. I honestly just love going to a bartender and saying, hey, do you have a little Granddad Bonded? Amazing. Do you have, you know, an Amaro? Let's go. Let's try your riff on a paper plane. And just for a fun little fact, May 26th is National Paper Plane Day. It's for like the ones that you fold and fly in the air, but I changed it to the cocktail day.
0: But there's Amazing. also booze, so...
2: <laughs> That's- that's perfect because that was the image I had in my mind about just like how how is the actual paper plane intertwined in this? Is there like is it lit on fire and then that's burned as part of the cocktail presentation? I don't know. I was just very fascinated. I mean, you I remember did writing. if you want to new project. It's, Beth. Not, <laughs> um, it's
3: not an actual classic cocktail. I'm, I want to say it came out in like two thousand six, maybe. So it's it's a relatively newer cocktail. It's not like in the realm of old fashions and stuff. But again, I really enjoy this cocktail as a whole. I think that it's absolutely delicious. And again, it's just, it's that perfect thing for your spring, summer going into fall.
0: So what, 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 what cocktails, what cocktails do you like in the winter? What's a good winter cocktail for you?
3: My old fashions definitely tick up in the wintertime. Variations on old fashions too. So like this past I guess, fall, maybe fall winter time. Um, I was playing around with some different stuff with Knob Creek and I made a um, Knob Creek s'mores old, old fashioned. It had chocolate bitters. It had like a graham cracker rim on it. It had a toasted marshmallow for your garnish. Oh my god, It was delicious. If you want to see it, it's on uh, Knob Creek's Instagram. I,
2: <laughs> I I think I'm just at a point where after the baby's born, maybe we just have like every single season celebration of cocktails with cask chasers. And we just relive all of the spring and summer and fall cocktails that I'm hearing about and adding to my list of things I want to enjoy.
0: <laughs> Katie's like, I really want booze right now and I can't have it. What we should do is have a big excuse for me to have booze after I'm allowed to have booze. I right. mean, I'm all for it. And like I'm very, not arguing very with it.
2: thin uh, requirement to define <laughs> Uh, an excuse, you know. This is really getting together. Now. Well, by the time this
3: baby's here, I mean, hopefully, the world's open back up, so y'all can just take a trip to Kentucky. There where it you is. Have a little cocktail showcase.
0: I'm all about all of these oh, that's things. Fine. Yep.
2: Let's let's talk about that for a second, though, because the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, right? I it's mm-hmm. on my destination list. I actually, um I was working on a project a couple years ago where we were going to make a whole themed event for work. Where we took out a couple sponsors and a tup- couple of our key customers and just hit up everything in the in the region, and that never came to fruition partially because of the pandemic and you know a few other reasons. Mm-hmm. But if you're a first time newcomer to the the distillers on the Kentucky bourbon trail, what should you expect?
3: I expect to come in with a plan because there's so much going on um and it's it's such a vast space like think about it like you're planning a trip to Napa, right? like we honestly are the Napa valley of the south, and so if you were going to plan a trip to Napa, you would pick specific wineries that you would want to go to. Same idea here. You want to pick the specific distilleries that you want to hit. You want to look at the proximity of them, right? Because there's almost clusters. You have the distilleries that are in downtown Louisville on Whiskey Row. You have the distilleries that are kind of in the, the claremont Bardstown area. You have some distilleries more towards the Frankfurt area, right? So, you know, all of those little clusters, maybe those are the days that you do them. Maybe you're just coming down for, you know, one cluster and experiencing that. Also, you know, having where you stay is a major point. Um, You know, if you want to stay in Bardstown, if you're going to do like the Bardstown and and Claremont route, um, if you want to stay in Louisville, which is what most people tend to do. What does your transportation look like? Because you're not just going to like hop in an Uber and, and hightail it to, to Bardstown. You might be able to get to Bardstown. There's a really good chance that you're like, you're in Bardstown now. Like <laughs> that Uber is going back to Louisville and probably not waiting around for you. you know. So I think that that, those are two of like the major things. Like planning is key and what you want to get out of it. I would say make a list of five to 10 things that you definitely must have, have to do. Right. I have to see this distillery. I have to eat dinner at this place. I need to experience cocktails from this amazing human, you know, whatever it might be. Cause we have some fantastic chefs here and we have some award winning bartenders here as well. So, you know, being in, in this city, knowing what it is that you want. And if you don't know, oh my gosh, there are so many things online. There are so many resources and people that you can ask. You have things like, Mint Julep Tours. You have things, you know, in other tour groups. That's just the one that first comes to mind because they've been around, from what I know, the longest. Well, um, if we we're
2: doing a Mint Julep tour, I'm only making the first stop because I'm no tourist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 well, they're not actually taking your on Mint
3: Julep on the tour. It's literally just the name of the touring company. I um, wish so you guys.
0: Not. I wish you guys could have seen Katie's face when she did that. It was so she's <laughs> so, so very just, matter of just fact. so matter. Of, I'm no tourist. <laughs>
2: Exactly. Make that
0: known. <laughs> I am a tourist, so I'm just going to wander
2: around. And, and knowing you
3: know what's going on in the city at the same time, right? So, like, if you're coming in the spring, you're probably going to be coming around Derby and the races. If you're coming, you know, in the summer, there's going to be some festivals and things. The fall, you're looking at, um, you know, Bourbon Heritage Month and the Kentucky Bourbon Festival and things like that. So, yeah, and, there, and there's other competitions that go on throughout the year, whether they be you know spirits competitions or cocktail competitions, spirit cocktail food competitions. Uh, bourbon classic comes to mind you know there's just there's literally something here all the time that revolves around bourbon that's just that's what we do that's how we live our life not a bad way to live i was gonna say it sounds terrible it's, it's when not, can i come? not the life for me <laughs> so <laughs> awful it's always kind of astounding to people when they think about the the city of louisville specifically you know we're the, almost the biggest small town that there is i think we're the 16th largest city by landmass not by populace Mm. um because we're spread out kind of like the boroughs of new york you know like our east end is is in one section our downtown is a different section west end south end you know we we kind of just have those those different uh designations of areas but the the amount of people that come here to kind of fulfill their their dreams whether it be in restaurants and things you know they probably have a spot in new york or, or dc or whatever but like i think about like chef ed lee his home is Louisville. He's got amazing restaurants all around the U.S., but you know he's got his restaurants here as well, and all of the stuff that he's been doing during the pandemic with the Lee Initiative, you know, is centered around Louisville. And you know they've done again, they've done it in other cities, but like for me especially, I, I think that you know a lot of the work that he's done is here, and he's a chef that is very renowned. So yeah, I the city is is amazing. And so back to your question, if you're going to be planning around, just look up you know what's going on in Louisville. And kind of incorporate that into your trip and maybe even plan your trip around when you want to be in in town for some of these things.
0: I, I think that's really good advice for anybody. I know some people, and eh, I mean, it depends on your style. You might be the person, type of person that's like, I'm going to Louisville and I'm going to X Distillery and I'll just do whatever else I want to while I'm down there. Okay. But I, to your point, there there is so much going on at different times of the year and this thing and that thing. And to make the most of your trip, why not find out sort of... You know, what what is going on when I'm when I'm down there? What what is coming out of there right now that I could enrich my life by as we're kind of starting to wrap up and uh, settle down here? Uh, wh- what's going on? What's going on with you? What things are you getting into that you would like people to know about? What what do you have ongoing? Uh, just talk about talk about Beth and what's important to you and, and what you want the people to know.
3: Oh, goodness. Another loaded question. Um, so yeah, I mean, as the world opens back up, hopefully I start to travel again and start being able to go to places. Um, I am a few days away from my second shot. So that's super exciting to where, you know, it might be a little bit more open. You know, obviously I'm still going to take all the precautions necessary, but. And um, I, I do feel like that may open a few more doors for me and, and my traveling might actually happen this year versus last year when traveling definitely didn't happen. Um, but last year during the pandemic, Sunday port sessions was a, a project that I started. And so what I would do is every Sunday, because, you know, I thought that it was going to be a short period of time. Um, every Sunday I would go and hang out on the porch at the distillery and I would invite virtually a guest to join me on the porch and we would just have a discussion about them, their lives, what they're doing, you know, all the stuff that's happening with them during the safe at home period. And so again, thought it was going to be like, you know, a few episodes or a month or two. Um, and it ended up being from April to December, we had 25 guests over 26 sessions. And, um, yeah, but we we tackled everything from you know cocktails to social injustices, I mean, and in, into all sorts of different things and and it was really an amazing experience. And so we wanted to do that again um, this year. And so what we did was we decided we were going to move it off of the the at Jameen distillery handle because that almost kept me to only talking about American whiskey when we have such a vast portfolio. Um, so I was able to kind of move back and I don't know if you' all have heard of the blend yet, probably not. Because um, it's a little bit newer, but the Blend US is a website and social media platform that allows for trade engagement and and just trade education. So anybody who's in the service industry or not in the service industry, just interested in things that have to do with it, um, there are amazing conversations happening on the Blend. And so Sunday Port Sessions has moved over to the Blend, and it releases uh, on the last Sunday of every month, except for this month. It's actually going to release today. So um, the, the second session for this year will go up today. Uh, and I know that people are hearing this later. So this is a Sunday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll go up two
0: days ago. It, what,
2: it, it'll it it be out by the time you listen to
3: this episode. Was, was, it was, has,
0: went out. up. It was, has, went up by now.
2: It was, has, went
3: up. was, has, did, um, so went up. <laughs> the first one that we did um, in this new space on the blend was with two amazing women who wrote Drinking Like Ladies, which is a cocktail book. Uh, that is centered around cocktail recipes done by female mixologists, bartenders, whatever they want to call themselves. The cocktail that they created was in honor of a woman in history that maybe has been a little less noted, Mm -hmm. um, maybe isn't talked about, maybe isn't written about as much. And so Misty and Kitty came on to talk about Drinking Like Ladies. We made a couple of cocktails. We had a good time um, and you know, just had a lot of fun there. And then the one that's going to be up this month is with, uh, Amanda Humphrey, who works with Makers Mark, and she's talking about sustainability efforts and innovation and everything that they're doing at Makers Mark. It's really phenomenal. If you follow me on Instagram, I, I post all that stuff up. You know, essentially we're, we're talking about what they're doing over there with their watersheds, what they're doing with the sustainability efforts between their kitchen and their bar. It's really fascinating the amount of work that's going into everything that they're doing. So it was great to have Amanda. It's the first time I've actually had somebody on the porch with me in my 28 episodes, which was super exciting um, to socially distance with her on the porch. But that's really, that's been my baby. That's been a lot of the projects and work that I'm putting in, in, um, because it's now a production. Before it was literally just like me and a ring light sitting on a porch. And now I have like a, a production team that puts it together, edits and, you know, it's is fantastic behind the scenes. But awesome. there's a lot of that. I'm also throwing a, a Wags and Whiskey party today for all of my bartenders here in Louisville for their post-derby relaxation. Um, instead of, you know, like throwing a massive party where everybody just parties their butt off. Like they worked really hard this week and, and they need a little bit of a, a reprieve. So um, I work with a local rescue and they bring some puppies and we have a food truck and some cocktails and we just kind of hang out and play with puppies and chillax that's that's the whole point of it so and of course you know talk about Jim being black but you know it's uh it's stuff like that i i just i enjoy doing things with people that maybe aren't your traditional stuff but something that everybody loves to do
0: awesome and where, where can where can people follow you beth
3: so on Instagram, I am at Bourbon Bella and on Facebook, just Beth Burroughs.
0: Awesome.
2: I'm just in awe. Like when Aaron asked you that question, Beth, you were just like, oh, another little question. Here are all of the amazing things that I'm just <laughs> like, all right what, is, know, right, what is the Instagram handle I need to follow and, you know, figure out a trip to Kentucky. <laughs> so no, this is, this has been exceptional and so much fun. Definitely. Okay, thanks having for having me, me. Yeah. Thanks for joining, especially. Last minute, just kind of a casual conversation. This has been great.
0: It's been really good. It's been really good. Thanks a lot, Beth.
2: Yeah. Well, can't wait to have you back again soon. I'm here for it. All righty, cast Chasers. Until next time, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cask Chasers. Check out our swag shop for official Cast Chasers t-shirts, hoodies, glasses, and merch. Every whiskey enthusiast and cocktail connoisseur is sure to love. And if you still haven't had enough of the podcast, you can check out our growing library of episodes and show notes at castchasers.org. And until the next time you tune in, remember, it's not about finding the perfect tram. It's all in the chase.
0: And then we got back into the podcast. We barely do Facebook live things anymore. So. Um. Cool.
3: It's okay. You went out. You went out on top. that's cool. That's right. It. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. yes. Right. Exactly. Was our, our
0: our last one was Beth. Okay. We're good. Retired we're good.
2: like Ray Lewis after the <laughs> Super Bowl. That's, that's right. Did. That's right.